0: Hello, I'm Kenza, and this is the Finding Space podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Finding Space podcast. This week, I interview director and photographer Emily May. Emily talks about how she moved from ballet to photography. We talk about her mindset and approach to work, and the importance of content within sport. Enjoy.
1: I started taking pictures when I was really, really young. If you go on my website, on my about me page, there's a little home video that I um, transferred last summer. That's me at about six years old, taking a portrait of my little brother and my dad and my brother's holding a football and I'm instructing him how to hold the football by his face and like move them together and shooting it on film. And my mom's narrating the whole thing. And it's like so funny to see that now and be like, wow, that's exactly what I do (laughs) to the team. So photography was something that I just, I always loved taking pictures. And, um, you know, my grandpa um, casually took pictures, but I remember just like being obsessed with his camera, just what it looked like when it was sitting on the table. And then same with my dad and in high school, um, taking a photography class and taking my dad's camera And um, using that for the class and shooting all that on film and just that experience of photographing your friends and doing all that. Um, So photography has been something that's been kind of on the periphery for a long time. Um, There's only two things I ever wanted to do with my life, and that was to be a professional ballet dancer um, or to be a film director. And so from about nine, I think I decided, you know, that ballet was going to be number one and that's what I was going to pursue. And then at about 13... I really fell in love with cinema, and it was like, okay, that's my backup plan if this doesn't work. Um, and I ended up getting injured a lot um, as a dancer, especially in my my late teens. Um, my mom was a professional ballet dancer, and she always had problems with her knees, and I had the same problems that happened <laughs> once I got to be that age. And um, it became just more obvious that it was not going to be a career that I could pursue. And so I decided to go to film school and I studied cinema and I studied screenwriting in school. And after I graduated, um, spent time writing scripts um, and on the side, I would always use photography as something to Um, just do for fun that I would go experiment with. But it was also like if I was having a bad day, it was a way I would like cope and go outside and like explore the city and take pictures of graffiti and buildings and all these things that everybody just kind of like does early on uh, when they're too scared to photograph people. (laughs) Um, And so I spent a lot of time doing that. And at some point um, it became a really strong skill set that I had and I started to offer it to people um, as... As a job and offer to different clients that I was working with mostly doing web design on the side while I was writing. So it became something that I start to build up um, a couple people that I said I could do the photos for as well. And then it really dawned on me at one point that it was a storytelling tool and that um, it was a lot easier than writing <laughs> to do and that it was very immediate. It was the instant gratification of going out, taking a picture, coming back, looking, you know, making the selection, um, whatever tweaks that were made to it. And then it was finished and it was done. And I had this physical piece of storytelling where writing was alone in a room with a blank page and s- millions of possibilities that you could create out of thin air um, that was a really long process that uh, was much, much, much harder to do, but also just um, I didn't enjoy the process of writing, I loved having written, but I hated writing. Like any writer, I think will say, and there was nothing about photography that I didn't enjoy. I loved every part of the process, and so at a certain point, I gave myself permission to pursue that more as a career and um, and really build up that side and and not feel like that was. Um, that writing was the only way I could be validated as a human being, I guess.
0: Even just people, not necessarily just photographers, but the more conversations I have around imagery, the more you realize that growing up even 10, 15 years ago, but 20, 30 years ago, The camera was much more of a physical object that fascinated people and it was brought in whether it was a grandfather or a parent when it was in the house it was like oh this is a fun thing to learn about and it was something you had to understand and use whereas now there's god probably 10 cameras in a house just through phones so that sort of And something
1: you had to wait for too. Like you take the role of film in and that excitement is still super palpable. I shoot um moving image on film a bit and you know, when you send in the roles, you sort of do a little a little prayer that it's gonna turn out and you know, when you get the email from uh, the person at the developing house, you know, you're just like, Oh, what's it gonna be? Is it is it gonna be good or is there something wrong with the camera or these things you don't know and um I think that that's the other part of it too that um, younger people don't understand is just they used to have to wait for it a little bit and there was excitement around that. Now there's just so many cameras and it's all instantaneous um, so it's a bit different experience.
0: Having something that is either the piece of equipment isn't very good for that job or something that makes it difficult it sort of takes us back to that wait let's slow this down let's think about what we're doing and let's work it out and it's sometimes quite good to try and do that because we are so used to having just run and gun, just everything is there and it's, it's instant. So it is quite nice to sort of take it back to that, that challenge.
1: I think the most important thing that I um, feel photography brings to my life is that it uses instinct um, that you have to respond to a moment and make a decision. um, And I find that to be very, like it keeps me in the present doing that. And I think like you're saying, if you choose a different um, tool for the job, like I, I have a ton of different cameras and sometime I'll impulsively be like, I'm bringing this manual focus Leica to this bike race. And then you're out there and you're like, what did I think was the purpose of that? But it always does force you to then make different kind of instinctual decisions if you give yourself some parameters. And I think that that's really where you learn who you are as a photographer is how you, um, what you respond to, what you're seeing, literally. And if you, if it's all easy and it's all available, I think that instinct comes in the editing process rather than the shooting process. And so you're still using that and you're still deciding, I like this image or I respond to it and that's why I'm going to post it or I'm going to put it out there or I'm going to keep it or hang it on my wall. You're still using the tool, but you're only using it once. And I think that if you are using that while you're shooting, you get to use it twice. You get to use it um, in that process to get those moments and to be really present. And then you also get to use it again in the selection process. And I think that that second round really helps you to artistically curate what you're doing and to to bring information back into the shooting as well to make different decisions about um how you would use um natural lighting to your advantage I'm somebody that uses natural light a lot and some people think that not much goes into that when actually I think the opposite is true I think a lot goes into the decisions of how you choose to use natural light um and the decisions that you make and so I don't know I find that that clarifies my skills much better to have it um be a little bit more thoughtful in the process while i'm shooting
0: do you find your mindset changes your creative process in any way or or and if it does do you then sometimes struggle if you're on a big client shoot where there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of people involved and you're not necessarily in the right frame of mind to bring your sort of creative influence in those difficult times
1: Definitely. I think there's, um, I think those are two separate sort of two separate uh, issues that I deal with for sure. Um, I think the mindset of photography, it certainly is something that allows me to be present, like I said, and, and to really focus on the task at hand. I mean, you have to click a shutter button, you have to you have to be there, you have to do it, you know, and, and I really love that about working. It's probably one of my favorite things about the job is that um, time goes really quickly while you're, while you're doing that part of the process. Um, there's a lot to photography that has nothing to do with taking photos. And that is something that I have learned. Um, I've been doing this professionally for um, about eight years. And um, my career as it's grown over those eight years, I've learned how little of The career side of photography is about taking photos, but the actual act of taking photos is something that really I do enjoy in it, and it allows me to be fully immersed in what's happening in front of me. Um, It's one of the reasons that I loved early on shooting live events, because it it's moving. It's not coming back. It's happening. The thing is happening and you're not going to get a second chance. And, you know, we're not going to all look at it on a screen together and decide to move something a millimeter over and redo everything that we just did. That's just not going to happen. And so that really allowed me to be a person that like lives in the present. And while I was doing that job to have that feeling, and that is a feeling that I do not bring with me to my life at any other point in my life. And so it really became something that, um, was therapeutic for me in the same way I think that when I was younger doing ballet was similar because as you're taking class or as you're rehearsing you're focusing on the thing you're doing you're trying you're remembering steps you're reacting to music um and I love having something to react to I think that works really well for me um, and keeps me in that moment and so photography uh can allow me to do that a lot of times and so it has been something that I do find that If I can be open to that and receptive to slowing down and seeing um, what's around me and what might be interesting. It also means being flexible to something might be more interesting over there than it is over here. Um, That is definitely something where I feel um, like it's a positive, my positive mental uh, framework is going to lead to positive creative work. It's definitely a, a hand in hand. Um, I don't shoot better when I'm angry or when I'm distracted. It's definitely like a good place to be um, leads to pretty good work, I think. Um, when I was writing when I was younger, I always thought that being over caffeinated would lead to better writing. And I just remember my dad always being like, I think it maybe doesn't. And I'm like, you're we're wrong. Like, you have to be wrong. This can't be right. Like, he's like, <laughs> I think the eight cups of coffee are making it so you can't think. And, you know, now that I have a little bit more uh, experience, I, I agree. I think that that might have been part of the problem. It was not actually helping. Um, so I think that's definitely the way that photography helps me and has been a really positive thing in my life. Um, I am like, I just spin and spin and spin. And I just have a very hard time quieting my brain at any hours of the day. And I also wanted, since I was really young, to have a career that was like my whole life, that there weren't any boundaries. And I think that it's something that I share with the athletes that I shoot, is that it's your whole life. It's it affects every part of it. It affects your relationships. It affects uh, your daily schedule. It affects um, every goal that you have with what you want to accomplish is, for me, centered around an artistic life. And that can also be hard because you have no boundaries. You have no place to get outside of it. And you have no um, way to not just overly make it about you <laughs> all the time. And I think that actually the physical act of shooting is um, is a place that quiets that for me and is, is where I'm focused on the work that's being made. And so I really enjoy that. And so it's, it's actually very difficult for me the times where I'm not working um, or not doing something because I find those much harder to mentally feel like I'm in a, a productive headspace <laughs> from during those times.
0: The running brand Tracksmith is a brand you've worked with for a number of years now. And I loved that work and followed it for A while now, and I think that imagery really captures the romantic essence of running, but still has that rawness that is so relatable to amateur runners, and it just makes you want to sort of go out and run. Can you tell us a bit about working with them?
1: The best compliment that I get on the tracksmith work um, is that it makes people want to go for a run, you know, and you constantly get told that by people and that's great. That's the goal. Like that's what we've tried to go for always. I, um, I'm not a runner. And so I do think that that outside perspective has been interesting to bring to the brand and to be able to kind of see the beauty of it from a, from an outside perspective sometimes, um, is helpful because you just, you see it maybe a little bit differently than someone does, um, who, who is on the inside. And, the consistency of the work is something I'm really proud of over the years, and I do think that you can pull photos from any of the shoots over time, and they feel cohesive, and uh, I really appreciate that they've allowed me to have that longevity of, of working with a brand and to be able to um, see that consistency over time. It's definitely something that not every shoot is the best shoot ever, and there's a lot of cons constraints that happen, you know, you just, the the house looked great on Airbnb and then you get there and like, the light's like really terrible in here. What are we going to do? And, you know, those things happen. But I think for the most part, um, we always make it work. We always create something that feels really honest. And the memories that I have of shooting for that brand are really special to me too. I think that it's been a brand that we've been able to take what I do best and make it work for the brand. And I think that that is something in Luke Skybler who was the original co-founder of Rafa and he was a co-founder of Tracksmith and he was the one who brought me to Tracksmith um, in the beginning. And he really felt that the process should be shot in the way that we shoot a lot of the Rafa work which is to do the, do the ride for real, do the run for real and go out there and create a moment that's going to create beautiful imagery rather than uh, a shot list that you have to follow that constrains you so there's a lot of freedom in what happens in the day of course that may mean that you know the road ends and it's not ideal and you have to flip around you have to make some adjustment but we don't have somebody run back and forth in front of the camera start and stop nobody comes in and adjusts hair and makeup you live with it you go with what it is and it allows um the honesty, I think, of the brand to find the right balance of being both honest, but being really beautiful. You know, it is really aspirational. It is really beautiful. And there's something in the honesty, it's not always gritty Um, in their premium clothing. It's not always meant to be gritty, Um, but it is real runners running a really long way and putting themselves out there. And you just can't fake that effort. And it's a lot of the conversation that's hard to have with commercial clients that, use those imageries on mood boards over and over and love the imagery and love what I've done for the brand and, and also the work for Rafa. And then, you know, don't want to have the conversation about process when I think those things do go hand in hand. I do think there's process choices that you can make that allow for the best result, And a lot of sort of big commercial brands, they're just want to do the process they've always done. And that leads to the photography they've always had. So sometimes it's just trying to convince them that um, they can give you that trust. It's always about trust and trusting that you will create what they need and that you'll get the details of what they need um, to be able to sell the products that they need to sell, but also that uh, the process leads to something intangible that's more beautiful. And I think that it does. I absolutely advocate for how that works for me and for what I do best.
0: Yeah, and I think all, all those sort of, the way you shoot it really comes through and and you can really see that it it's not a stage scene and I think it's important obviously the the brand pioneering sort of amateur running and amateur runners yes it's a high quality sort of luxury item but it, that honesty as you say comes through and that's what amateurs is being about it's about being honest you know we're all just going out there and sort of doing it and I I think that that really comes through and and also having that longevity is obviously really important because you know I I guess it must be I, I wouldn't know but I've not worked in a sort of brand like that but it must sometimes be easy or maybe it's difficult to keep someone for a long period of time I don't know but to have that longevity as you as you say you've then got this ongoing archive that you can is so consistent with your audience
1: one of the cool things um that I really appreciate about it too is that a lot of the runners have been there the whole time too so it's fun to kind of see them grow up when we do go back through the archive that there's a lot of the same people you know and I think that one of the things that that allows the brand to do is to go with the ups and downs of a runner's life because it really does change a lot. They're, they're constantly injured, they're constantly, you know, coming back from illness or something or just the fitness changes and it's not a steady fitness all the same time. You're not just one thing. You're you change over time and so when we meet on these different shoots, I found that that was something really interesting. To see and something that I connect with, um, from my ballet background or just from all the other sports that I'm around, of just kind of trying to tell that story too. That it it might be someone would be really on it and it's like a great twenty four mile run that we do on that day and then they might be injured and only be like doing short pieces on the next shoot and, you know, you just kind of never know training for different events or, um, you know, definitely in the build up to the Olympic trials and things, people that really thought they were going to get to go to trials and couldn't go compete in trials in the last minute. And a lot of that, it's more than a photo of a shirt, you know? So I think that that comes into it. And I think that that comes into the marketing for it is that um, you feel that. Because I think that is the experience of, of the brand is that it is more than just the clothing. There is a whole ethos around it. And so I think that that does come through in the photos. And there is something about that consistency that maybe adds to that in a way. You know, the brand is not constantly changing its look um, depending on who's photographing it and so there's kind of a consistent message that comes through that you know and I think you know one of the things that you said about running and about seeing the imagery um, that I do think is interesting about photographing athletes is that sport is really hard and there is a romantic side of every athlete to want to do the thing in the first place like you have a love for it and that is something that I try to capture in the way that I shoot sport from an insider perspective. I would want somebody who really loves that sport to look at the images and say, This feels like how I feel about it, rather than be maybe an art piece um, that's more stylized, that doesn't necessarily represent the sport. It's the way I've chosen to photograph sport. It's not. The only way by any means. Um, But it's what I'm going for, what my goal is, is to have somebody on the inside feel like I understood it and I saw it and that I saw the little details. Um, I know for me, for ballet, it's such a specific thing. Like my mother was a ballet dancer, started ballet when I was three years old. You know, she owns a school that I still teach in when I have time. During the lockdown, I've taught some classes. Like it's been part of my whole life. I don't even know my life without it. And when people say, like, oh, Natalie Portman was so good in Black Swan. Did you know she did the dancing or whatever? you're like, she did not do that dance. (laughs) You can tell when it's a body double every time. Like, this is not fooling anybody that knows anything, you know, because I'm an insider to that. I understand the little nuance. And I also want to see, like the way that I think about ballet isn't maybe just the like peak action moment it's putting your point shoes on or the way that you would prepare them or smashing them in a doorway to make them softer and having to put water on the heels so they don't slip off and you know the way that you like stuff around the bar when you're taking class or just like these little details that to me are how I remember it and like what I love about the personalization and so as I've gone into sports that I don't know much about i photographed the u.s water polo team for espn and spent a week with them prepping for the last olympics it's like i've never seen this sport up close in this way before how can i show it back to them in a way that makes them feel like i've honored respected and and had romance for the thing that they feel romance for and for me that also comes with like the sad moments i've been made fun of before um I had one model that I was working with that I asked him to do something a little bit different. I was on a commercial shoot and he was like, oh, I've seen your portfolio. You like sad sports. And so the joke became, I like sad sports. But I think there is like that beauty in some of the sadness and the like the romance and like this sadness and this little bit of heartbreak. And so, you know, I really do love when it's raining uh, in a cycling race and I love the person who got second. And I, you know, I do look for those things and try to tell that story too. And I think that that's one thing that is important for sport because it shows that it's bigger than competition. And I think that's what I really am drawn to about it. And in photographing sport is that there's a whole story there and it's about culture and it's about place and it's about, you know, uh, it's about gender, it's about politics, it's about all of these things. And it's about a very simple human competition interaction, but it, it's bigger than that. And so, you know, when you're at the Tour de France and you're photographing on the side of the road, it's, the best picture might not be of the rider. It might be the person watching it. It might be these other things. And so, you know, with running, I think trying to find those moments as well of how nature feels or, um, you know, how you're putting on your shoes or, or what you're doing afterwards, just all of those things, the shower beer, everything, you know, that we can bring into it to kind of feel like a bigger story. Um, is something that keeps me constantly interested and I really love photographing sports I've never photographed for that reason. I think that's really when I thrive is when I haven't shot the sport before.
0: To touch on sport in general, do you think photography has an impact on sport and the creative content that is produced by lots of different people has an impact on sport itself in terms of not necessarily on the performance factor but maybe um, but sort of how do you think it plays its role in in sport
1: so I think that there's a couple parts to it I think that the first I would say is that the value that I think photography just brings as a medium of art is that you look at a photograph for longer than the moment happened. Like just by instant, it's a fraction of a second and you're gonna look at it for longer than it than it occurred. And I think that that's a really powerful way to experience time and to work with our brains to process information um, and to understand Moments in this like frozen way. Obviously, video does something totally different in the way that we experience it, in the way that our relationship to the time is, and so the fact that sport is one of the only things that is unpredictable (laughs) in an outcome. Um, in a lot of our daily lives, it's why we love watching it at the end of the day, or um, why it brings. I think why it's been so hard to have it be gone right now too is that the idea of putting people on a level playing field and having them play a game and have the outcome be unknown gives us like this possibility that anything could happen. it allows us to, to dream as people and to believe that, you know, the underdog could win or you know I'm I'm someone that usually roots for the um roots for like the the winner the favorite um cuz I feel like they put in a lot of work favorites are really fun I think favorites are underrated um <laughs> but um I think that freezing that time and allowing us to see that and as like a record of an event is really important and I think that there's a lot of responsibility that goes into that I think that there's too much um, lack of respect for the people that have done event photography for a really long time at that really classic uh, news way. Because it's really hard to have the definitive images like of a time and of a record of something that never happens again. I have respect for that. I don't want to shoot that way. It's not what I would be good at I think partly because of the technical, um, skill that comes into, you know, a lot of those moments in like basketball or something. They've got four cameras rigged and you know they have created a technical process for being able to capture that moment, which is less interesting to me than just the one on one person with the camera. But I really think that that has a lot of value in the history of sport, the way that we record sport and we have, videos and we have um you know live footage of events. But it's different than seeing like a picture of an Ali fight or, uh, you know, just these moments that are really iconic. And so I value that. Um, and I think that that is something that we should try to preserve as much as possible and um, record those uh, those moments because they're really beautiful to have an outcome that you have no idea what it's going to be. And then I think that it does affect the sport, particularly now photography and content video content because of access I think that access was something that people didn't have before and I do think it changes things I think it allows athletes to tell a bigger story to be more um, multi-dimensional people than they were required to be previously we kind of just didn't know anything about athletes and it was whatever their performance skill was is what they're valued at and not necessarily how they behave as people, what they stand for, what they've where they've come from, and just the bigger stories, or even the ways that they can be really intelligent and articulate and help us to understand um, their story better. So access is great. I think that it allows sport to reach more people and in a more meaningful way, because previously you kind of just were like a sports person or a not sports person, you know, you're like a, a a jock who like, likes sports or you're an artistic person who likes movies and music or something. You know, it's just like, we're these really divided. That's not the case anymore. It's like so many more people are able to experience a love of sport while still having a lot of dimensions to their life in a way that I don't think happened previous to access and to hearing those stories and to just understanding how um, you experience sport on a bigger stage than just the score.
0: did did you watch the last dance that
1: Mm -hmm, of course
0: i think that's like in a way that's kind of maybe some of the difficulty that michael jordan had in terms of in the 80s and 90s there was no i mean obviously he was in the public eye a huge amount but he couldn't control necessarily or he he could control a lot but he couldn't show too much of himself because it was coming out in adverts game press there was no sort of him at home which he couldn't really control or get out in a in a good way so it was it's much more difficult whereas now it's so easy for athletes or much easier for athletes to maybe show that and sometimes they get it wrong and it it, hurts
1: yeah, it, de- <laughs> it definitely can help or hurt um that's for sure you know i do think it really affects like Watching the Jordan doc, I thought about, um, you know, obviously he was someone that was covered a lot. Like, he did have quite a bit of coverage. um, And still, that's more access than we had to him, as opposed to someone like... um, you know, Steve Kerr, who's in the documentary and is now a coach and it just made me really like Steve Kerr even more to just hear him talk or to see how he was in the moment and just to have that little bit of extra access that you probably didn't have as a, to a player that wasn't a superstar, you know, who wasn't the number one player. And I do think that that helps more people that are not the number one covered person to have more of a voice and for us to root for them and to, to understand, um, how the dynamic works I do think it you know sometimes doesn't give you that mystery that is enjoyable to have it you know in some ways athletes are allowed to be a substitute for our own hopes and dreams in a way or you see yourself in them and then the more you know about them the harder it is to see yourself in them because you see who they are you see that person um but I think that's okay I don't I don't you know that's that's fine. We don't have to operate that way. But it is like a little bit different to know maybe so much. Um, I don't like that they can't have a private life. I don't like that they can't, you know, be who they are. And that I do think that it kind of waters down how they would go about their life because you're constantly being judged in every moment. You know, it's normally you'd like rally for your post-game interview to say something and now it's just every single thing you say has to be completely on point or you're immediately crucified. And I think that's hard for anyone to live like that. You know, um it's not the constant coverage I think is tough. But I do think that access changes how we view sport. And I do think it allows us to tell some of those bigger stories. You know, I love the um the two Escobars, the 30 for thirty soccer documentary. Like that to me is such a great thesis on how all these cultural things come together, like how everything um, blends into blends into a bigger picture. And so a lot of the content around the way that we see sports, I think is more sophisticated than it used to be for sure. And there's just a better... Um, better documentaries. I love that. I mean, the documentaries now are so good. It's just been really great. I loved the Maradona one as well. Um, that was really amazing to see all that footage that existed, you know, I and mean, that's all home movies and stuff and to be able to see that. Um, but certainly there's a case where if that had been covered in the moment, you wouldn't be able to do any of the things <laughs> he was doing in that documentary for sure.
0: <laughs> I think it's, so important obviously ballet you've mentioned a lot and it's so important to you and i i just wanted to finish in that sort of realm for you and also just for me the images i've seen that you've taken of ballet are some of my favorite that you've done um i don't know anything about ballet it's not something that i've ever sort of i mean i've seen some but i don't know really anything about it but those images really stood out for me exactly what you like about maybe sports imagery like the movement the colors the the sort of emotions that all comes through and you know there's I I haven't got them in front of me but there's one I think I can particularly remember that it, it, you know it almost you know it looks like a sort of Rothko painting it's sort of very blurred and just block colors but you really get an essence of movement in an image and it's fascinating to sort of engage with and it goes back to almost what you were saying about not knowing anything about a sport or or an art form and for me to sort of engage with those images I can sort of really understand what it's like for a ballerina in in a performance or try to anyway but um could you yeah maybe just sort of talk a bit about the sort of imageries that you've produced around ballet and why it's so important to you
1: I think it's been the tool that allows me to see how body language tells the story I mean that's what ballet does you don't have you have music obviously but you don't have words and there's a lot of um, narration, like narrative storytelling that goes into a ballet. If you have Swan Lake or um, the Nutcracker or any of those ballets, even the more um, contemporary ballets and sort of Balanchine work and these ballets that I really love that are storyless, but not storyless, right? They're emo- they have emotion, they have feeling, they're conveying something. There's definitely a backstory, even if it's not a narrative. And being a part of that world just taught me how to use the body as the tool for doing that without words for being able to tell that story. And so I think that's like the strength that I've brought to how I photograph a cyclist or photograph, um, another athlete. I don't do very well. I wouldn't say that, but I don't, I personally don't feel that I do as well with athletes that are more covered up that don't have their body exposed and that I can't read that, um, sense of emotion there's a couple of fencing photos that I have um one that I really love that is just the back of the fencer and he's standing on these bleachers and you're just like you don't even see his face or anything I love photos where you don't see somebody's face and um there's one of the ones I took for Rafa that's in the rain and and Joe Cox has his head down and so you just see like the Rafa of the helmet but you see his position on the bike and you see the rain and you get everything from it. You understand everything. There's nothing that needs to be said. And some of the bullfighting work that I've done, um, similarly, you have a sense of theatricality and costume and um, a performance aspect to sport that I really gravitate towards. And I think that all those things come together. I think they all play on each other. And I think that they're all the same way of looking at a still image that doesn't have any narration to tell you what's going on and being able to understand exactly the mood and the tone of it. And I think that uh, that's really something that Valley taught me really, really well. And something that is ingrained in me from um, such a young age to see things in that way. And I think it translates really well to photography.
0: Thank you for listening. If you would like to see the portraits from this week's episode, please go to findingspace.cc. For more interviews like this, please subscribe to the Finding Space podcast.